SAFM. Prime time all day long. Songes on on SAFM. Living well with kidney disease. March is National Kidney Month, a time when communities across the country raise awareness about kidney disease. This year's focus is on taking charge of your health and the many factors that go into managing of the many things. Kidney disease, chronic disease, or rather chronic kidney disease, CKD, is a serious condition affecting some 37 million people, often overlooked until symptoms appear. CKD is progressive and can put you at risk for serious health complications, including kidney failure, which will almost certainly amount to your death. Adopting a healthy lifestyle thus can help you manage and slow the progression of CKD and its complications. Our guest this evening at Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital is a doctor and renal specialist, Dr. Tolang Kumalo. She wants to be called by the name Tuli, so without much else to say, good evening Tuli. Thank you so much for joining us on the line. Hi, good evening Sangeza. Thank you so much for having me and good evening to all the listeners. Yeah, you you touch on something which strikes a very personal nerve. My brother, he's alive. Fortunately, it could have been very different, but for some medical interventions that came at just about the best possible time. But many South Africans are not so lucky. Everybody who's a law student would tell you about the state versus Subramani and, and, and how the scarcity of state's resources simply mean that many people will fall through, if you like, the cracks of dialysis and related kidney treatment. If not in time, period, it just is not going to happen. We are dealing with a serious, let me call it a, a pandemic in this country around renal care. What would your thoughts be on that? Um, you know, um, speaking specifically for children, I, I really think that some, a lot of children do fall through the cracks. In fact, we actually don't even know in the country exactly how many children um, have chronic kidney disease and how many children are dialyzing. We actually think that we are probably dialyzing probably less than half of what we should be dialyzing. And we do believe that a lot of children actually don't make it to the referral centers, as you mentioned. Mm. Um, it, as you can imagine, um, chronic kidney disease and, and renal specialty is is quite specialized and, and is quite focused onto like more the urban areas, Cape Town and Johannesburg and Durban and Pretoria. And so if the children are not being able to make it there, then they're not able to get the adequate care. And we do actually do think that we lose a lot of children in the periphery. And of course, children for the most part would never be considered in this sort of conversation. Many times, even, and I admit my own limitations in this regard, when we talk about kidney failure, I don't think of children being sufferers hereof, or certainly I don't think of them as priorities. But it, I do get the impression that we are probably missing something that we shouldn't be missing because children are, from what I hear you saying, are affected and are badly so at that. Um, yes, of course. Um, children are fortunately not as affected in terms of um, chronic kidney disease and, and end-stage renal failure. You do find, I think, that um, the adult nephrologists probably have um, more than double, maybe sometimes even five times the number of patients um, on dialysis that we end up with. However, that does not mean that... Um, the children should be ignored. The number of children that we have that need dialysis are still quite, um, quite 
large and 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 does still need attention um but as i said fortunately um the children are actually less than the adults how do we ensure at least children because of the fact that they are vulnerable however one one would want to look at it are prioritize if that is even appropriate from a medical protocol perspective in relation to getting the treatment they are worth and deserve and frankly need because they still have the best lives ahead of them and they are the future of any given society not least ours and frankly if i have to give way to a child that is probably the right thing to do how then do we arrange the state's resources to ensure that at least we get our markers right when it comes to the treatment of children with kidney failure and related conditions that are challenging their health? Um, you know, Sangazo, the main thing I think is education. And I mean, education um, of the community so that the community is able to recognize a little bit more and um, able to then pick up if the child does maybe have a renal issue um, or a- any illness, in fact. And, and then the other step is obviously education of, of healthcare providers, um, education of healthcare providers with regards to children being at risk for hypertension. And so often overlooked is the blood pressure monitoring of children. And that's one of the things that we could be educating ourselves on. And really just a simple test of um, a urine dipstick, which is when you take a little stick and you put it in, in, in urine and it can tell you if there's blood, protein, sugar or anything in the urine that really shouldn't be there. And I think those are the kind of things that we should really be looking towards. Um, we do try and, and I mean, I have patients in Limpo, who come from Limpopo quite far and, and quite far deep into Mpumalanga also, which is quite a part of our drainage areas at the hospital. And you know, as soon as those kids are recognized and seen that they need help, there really has been amazing people all along the line to try and get the kids to us. Um, we rely on a lot of people. We rely on um, the EMS, the emergency um, transport, to transport the patients up and down to us. We rely on nurses at clinics um, to be able to pick up the children but the children need help and refer them up to the appropriate places. And, um, yeah, we just rely on a lot of things. And a lot of it is um, a bit multidisciplinary thing. So it's not just doctors who would be important, but doctors, mm-hmm. nurses, social workers, dietitians, really everybody is quite important in making sure that children with kidney failure are looked after. Do these people speak to each other? Are the institutional relationships or coordinations that allow for, let me call it a value chain, to not miss what can be picked up early. Because, of course, outside proper diet and behavior and all of those things, once you trigger the medical protocols, if you like, from an early detection perspective, certainly, and intervention as at that stage, are we as a nation in a position to pick up these things at an early stage because all these people, doctors, nurses, clinics, healthcare, spaces, schools, social workers, are in a position to speak to each other so that where once competency ends and another's begins, that information transfers almost seamlessly without critical time being lost? Um, I think we do have a system that sort of works that tries to get the kids to the right places. Obviously, it's not completely perfect. Um, as you know, our country's health system is not completely perfect. And, and, um, but we do have systems. We do have, um, although we don't have outreach to particular places, I have 
um, doctors in Mangueng, for example, who I talk to quite often um, about patients and we sort of have learned to educate each, by educating each other. There are actually more things that they can even do from there without having to bring all the children up to Joburg um, for care. Um, and and I, I actually do find that when, when I do have a need, I, I'm often able to find somebody who was willing to help, whether it's a pediatrician in some small hospital somewhere. I've even phoned the police once um, to help me when I was trying to get a patient who lived in Vidwood, um to come for a transplant. And I actually phoned the police and I said, please help me get my patient to the hospital. And the police went and they fetched her and they took her to um to to the hospital so she could catch an ambulance. Mm. So I do think that everybody does work together. We just obviously don't have a completely functional system yet. To the extent that you mentioned that there are resources or resource shortages in the country, I make allowance for that, but I still have to ask the question because earlier on you also made the concession that there's a concentration, if you like, of care or of resources in your major centres, Cape Town, Western Cape, Durban, KZN, Gauteng, of course, Johannesburg, Pretoria line. How do we, one, deconcentrate those resources that don't then create for a need for you to use police officers to bring your patients because they are in those rural spaces. The need is there, and we probably don't have too great an idea of the need because we don't have information-gathering systems that are going to be as responsive and in real time to get a sense as to the prevalence of the need that is out there in these marginalized communities because there is no concentration of the relevant resources. How then do we set up a system that is less concentrated, deconcentrated, and is responsive such that the lead time between operation and rather the time between diagnosis, stroke, identification of the intervention and the actual intervention itself, that time isn't lost because of the concentration questions I'm referring to? Jeez, that's a difficult question. Um, Pediatric nephrology is such a small subspecialty currently. Um, If you you look at our numbers just Mm. of of subspecialists, I think you'll be lucky if you can make 20 in this country. Um, However, every, every year, there are always people getting examined and 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 qualifying as as pediatric nephrologists, and I think um, you know to really our our dependence is really going to be still mostly on general pediatricians. There isn't really much of a need for a nephrologist to be everywhere, if I can say that. I don't think our numbers are currently at that point or. Um, or we have the facilities. If you look at things like dialysis, um, there's adult dialysis centers all over the country and um, and adult nephrologists outnumber us quite tremendously. Um, but, um, but, you know, there's just, yeah, I, do, I don't quite see the need for a nephrologist to go and be in, in, the, stitch, in the sticks yet. Um, I think mm. our dependence is still going to be really, really, and I, I, that's the, I mean, that's the, how do I explain it? That's the model of health that we have anyway in our country, where you start with the primary health care um, at the clinic, and then you move on to another hospital, and you work your way up that way. And I really think that that does help, and it does help filter out um, a lot of things that would otherwise unnecessarily be 
crowding a pediatric nephrologist um, as our numbers are actually quite low. Um, but I think our dependence would still probably be on, on, on general pediatricians. And I believe that um, a lot of the times the general pediatricians anywhere are studying at, at universities where they are exposed. I, I, I've worked with countless pediatricians over my time as training as a pediatrician mm. who know now that I'm a pediatric nephrologist. And so we are sort of a little bit of a network because no matter where they are now, they do remember that, oh, I worked with Utuli when in 2016 when I was at Charlotte, my so I know I can talk to Tuli about this, so let me just phone her. And so that sort of is, is, is probably what is going to work best. Do we need reinforcements? If so, could those reinforcements come from outside the country, and particularly on the low numbers of pediatric nephrologists? Um, hmm. No. Can I say no? Yeah, sure, I don't sure. think. Um, look, I don't think that we have a, a shortage per se of pediatric nephrologists. I think the number of pediatric nephrologists that we have is probably sufficient for um, for what we are seeing now, and and the number and the the current growth, the rate of growth of pediatric nephrology currently, I think, is is at a good uh, um, going at a good trajectory. And and we probably will start to find some more people moving into uh, more peripheral places. I mean, I, I don't even mean peripheral, peripheral places. If you look at Bloemfontein, for example, yes. that we have a pediatric nephrologist. And they did have a pediatrician with a strong pediatric nephrology interest, but they haven't had a, a pediatric nephrologist there. So maybe those places could help sort of decentralize and stop the people from Bloemfontein, um, the whole free state not having a pediatric nephrologist and maybe um, as we grow and as we get to learn more, we would be more able to work out there more. And remembering also that if we're talking about just um, chronic kidney disease, we're talking about a a broad range. We're talking about children who are born with congenital abnormalities Mm -hmm. and and those ones are nicely, um, can be picked up on sonite birth or or whatever, and and don't always go into renal failure, but but do need support and help in terms of um, preserving renal function. Um, so those children probably wouldn't need to come all the way here. But once you do get to chronic renal failure, in stage renal failure at least, um, then yeah, it could probably be a little bit helpful if. I couldn't, if I didn't have to bring children from far. Um, there are patients who come from Limpopo who invariably end up on hemodialysis. And I don't know if I can explain quickly what hemodialysis Please is. Please do. It's, um, as you know, the kidney is just uh, filters water and, and um, filters excess fluid and waste um, from the body. And so with declining kidney function, it's not able to do this. And so therefore you need something to keep you alive to be able to do the work of a kidney. And there are two modes of dialysis. One is um, at home, can be done at home. It's peritoneal dialysis where we can send you the fluid and you can do it from home. The other one is hemodialysis and hemodialysis is done in center. Now, there aren't that many hemodialysis centers. So I do have children who come from um, far who find themselves having to live in Johannesburg because they just won't have access to hemodialysis centers in in their area. Even if they are there, they, they are not specialized and are not able to look after children, especially the very small ones. Um, 
look, we do have systems that do help us. There's a there's a home. You said you want to explain hemodialysis. I mean, when I hear hemo, I just think of blood. Do you want to just spend a bit of time understanding the okay. signs of what yes. hemodialysis is specifically? Okay. Um, so hemodialysis, you are right, it does include the blood. And it's basically the children have um, a catheter inserted in them. Some of the older kids and some of the adults have fistulas, which are special little operations that they do on the arm in order to create access. And this access literally just means we're going to hook you up to a machine um, for three hours, four mm, hours, mm, mm. three times a week. And um, what the machine does is that your blood flows out into the machine, for lack of a better example, mm. for lack of a better word. And, and we have um, dialysis happening within the machine with, with dialysate fluid. Um, and then the blood is then returned back to the patient. This happens um, over four hours, three hours for some of our smaller patients. It is um, it, it's in center, so you can't obviously mm. do it. Mm. Some some countries do have at home hemodialysis, and I believe um, we could be on track for that. But mostly, probably starting with the adults. But we only have in center hemodialysis, and currently, I think there are four state places that do hemodialysis. I think it's it's Charlotte McBurger, Nelson Mandela, um, Ngozi Albert, Lutuli Hospital in Durban, and Red Cross in Cape Town. And they're the only centers that currently do hemodialysis now, but all the other centers that we have um, are able to do peritoneal dialysis. So it is quite specialized. And mm. It's done by renal technicians and, and renal dialysis sisters. Um, basically, they're the ones who perform the task, and and they are quite a specialized bunch themselves. The, the pediatric trained ones. Talking of and about these shortages, is there scope in the private space, in the private healthcare space, or just purely in a commercial sense, for people to fill in and plug these holes in the system? For instance, hemodialysis centres could one relatively start a business knowing that there is a sufficient demand that would sustain the business on the one end because that's why you go into business but as importantly probably if not more importantly come and intervene where the state capacity is seriously under strain and for a buck because there are medical aids for precisely that reason get yourself into the business of dialysis care get the necessary certifications because of course now you would be in healthcare and i'm sure um, the Medicines Act or the National Health Care Act would be a feature in terms of what you'd be doing and get into business and whilst in the course of business making a critical intervention in ultimately in primary health care in the country? Um, I want to say yes, um, there is a way. Um, renal technicians are the ones that can actually open practices and I've heard of renal technicians going and opening practices even here in, in Johannesburg because even within Johannesburg, there's still a growing number of people who need dialysis. And I'm speaking mostly for adults. Mm. Um, fortunately, in Peds, we don't have a... How to explain? We don't have a number issue as much as the adults do. Mm-hmm. In, in, in adult um, nephrology, um, the selection of dialysis and, and transplant is a very complicated um, thing where they have criteria that they have to use and they have to be quite strict with their criteria because of their available resources. Um, and in that sense, yes, of course, mm. um, private dialysis centers have made a big difference. And private dialysis centers 
continue to make a big difference to um, to our patients. There is a private dialysis center for peds here in Morningside for pediatrics, um, but um, but while that is being said, whether it could take off the strain, it it could possibly take it does take off the strain from the prior, from the public sector, but um, obviously they do make a buck and they do need to make a buck and, mm. it, and it is a business and I, I believe that I think that most of them are either cash paying or, or medical aid patients not that I have much experience with um, private dialysis. I, I do have a couple of questions specifically with you being a scarce resources a scarce resource in and around the country you mentioned the figure 20 there could be 20 of you around the country would it and I'm not suggesting it would be easy for the system to be implemented, certainly not for the healthcare practitioner, somebody like you, who's a pediatric nephrologist, as opposed to the patients coming to you, because we know it's a lot more than the patient coming to you. In certain instances, as you've referred to, one had to literally move to Johannesburg and live in Johannesburg for the purposes of one's renal care. Could it, from a decentralization perspective or deconcentration perspective, almost adopt, not entirely adopt because we are not there yet, I don't think, the flying doctor approach where then you would have an X amount of days where you have to be present in those far-flung areas where such interventions absolutely do not exist and to the extent that they do exist, it's at best information and the patient will have to move from where they are to where the resource is, you, in other words, could it not happen the other way around. I'm not suggesting it will be easy. Is it in any way a potential or a possibility that that might be a better way to engage the status quo? Hmm. Um, I think as far as um, not not dialysis, I think in terms of um, the earlier stages of chronic kidney disease, um, before you get to end-stage renal failure, of course, having a um, being able to get there to the patient would be um, easier than bringing the patient to me. However, um, we then it wouldn't just be. I mean, I'm not. I'm I'm the smallest part. I like to. I tell the sisters all the time that I'm I'm nobody in the dialysis scheme. I just write it on a piece of paper, and and somebody else does all the work. So mm. you would need then you would need to have um, the good multidisciplinary team out there also. So it wouldn't just be me. Um, flying in and out, and and I, I, even the sisters that do pediatric dialysis are few, and and so we'd have to do a lot of training, and I do believe, I mean, yeah, I do believe that um, given time, um, a lot of us will start to move out of um, the the centralised areas, and we and as the hospitals also expand and look for pediatric nephrologists and want to grow their pediatric nephrology. Um, units wherever they are and offer jobs, offer us posts, and then perhaps we could also be moving into those areas. And I mean, if you look at um, Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital, is it's how many years old? From 2018, almost three years old now. And um, in that time, we we've just we've actually just started a unit from. From I want to say from scratch, not quite from scratch, but you know we've started a unit, so there's no stopping anybody, even me, from moving to Bloemfontein and and starting a unit there, and and possibly. So what's stopping you from going to live in Bloemfontein? 
<laughs> I'm being silly, but what's stopping no, you from going to No, no, I mean, jeez. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it actually is a conversation that I've been, that's come up a lot more now um, for me. I'm, I'm originally from the Free State. I grew up in Kwakwa, and, um, and my parents live in Bloemfontein. I think that's why I keep bringing it up. Um, I think I've, I've said to my dad a couple of times that I think it's in my long-term plans um, to move to to a place like Lumfontein. However, nephrology is a difficult specialty to do on your own, so it wouldn't be easy. But, hey, man, if you tell them to give me a job, maybe I'll move. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's leave it there, only on this note. The importance of just good old habit, the good habit of drinking water. Can you ever impress that enough? Oh, no, you can't. People never drink enough water. Sometimes even I battle to drink enough water. But, I mean, looking after your health, drinking water is, is, is quite a big part of it. And you, it doesn't help to um, run all the marathons and be healthy and do all the exercising. If you're not doing all of the steps, it's all, it's, you know, you can't do one thing. You have to do it all. You have to eat well. You have to exercise. You have to drink lots, enough water and avoid alcohol and cigarettes. You have to do all of it in order to look after yourself. Dr. Tolang Kumalo, doctor and renal specialist at Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital. Doc, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. I hope I can pronounce this name right. Pediatric nephrologist. Did I get that right? Yes, that's perfect. Whew, I've been saying it in my head all the time you've been speaking, <laughs> so I'm glad I got that right. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, everybody, for participating. Living well with kidney disease. If you take nothing away from this, take this, because you've always been told this. Drink water and drink plenty of